Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having inside the agency with our coworkers, our partners, and our clients. I'm Peter Ujicic, Head of Technology at Situation, and today I am joined by Kevin Nagali from our creative team. Hi, Kevin. Hello. And uh, we also have Kevin's boss, our VP of Creative, Tom Lorenzo. Hello, Tom. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. That is actually what Tom's business card reads, Kevin's boss. It's Kevin's boss. Yeah. Kevin's boss. Well, Kevin, this is actually a surprise performance review for you. So we're really so, not... yeah, let's, Should we start? Yeah, I think we should. That's, here's all the things that we have a problem with, Kevin. Okay, go ahead. Shoot. This is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm gonna zone out for a bit, but you guys just go off and... Uh, so same as any other day. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, but we also, you know, in case you're wondering where Jordan is uh, this week, she has gone down to Texas to get married. So she'll be back soon, but we're wishing her all kinds of love while she's away. Um, but we promise she'll be back. At least she told us she'll be back. I think she will. I, I'm, my bet is she won't, but, well, you know. No one ever comes it was, back. It was a good run, you know. It was the good podcast issue. just yeah. has that effect on people. Um, so we wanted to do our roundtable uh, conversation today. We have three topics that we want to talk about, and then we'll, we'll talk to you guys about something that we don't think people should miss. And to kick it off, I want to start with the first topic, which is an email that I got from Zappos this morning. I've got it printed out right here. I print all my emails out. That's the only way I consume them. <laughs> um, but the subject of the email was update regarding Zappos emails. Now, I will be the first one to say I'm a huge fan of Zappos. I buy lots of stuff from them. I think they're great. I think they do a great job of customer service. But that's why this email kind of threw me for a loop. Um, basically, I'll read a little bit from the email. It says, they're coming. It's got a cute picture of a dog. So they're doing that well. Um, and it says, and they're coming, parentheses, more emails, that is. Starting on 1018, you'll get a brand new email from us every day. Hip, hip, hooray, right? Question mark. Um, these additional emails are our way of making sure that you have instant access to customer favorites, top-rated wardrobe essentials, and cool gift ideas during the busy season ahead. So this is really for my benefit. They won't be spamming me. This is so that I won't miss anything. And this just struck me as crazy. Uh, they're, they're equating volume with, with uh, value. <laughs> but just by saying, you know, if, if the key to, to value in customer service was more emails, we'd all be getting great customer service from everybody. I mean, what do you guys think about this? this to me, this seems completely tone deaf. This is like, this is like a Jedi mind trick. This is a bold <laughs> Jedi mind trick to millions of people. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna love these emails. It's like, almost, oh, I'm gonna love these emails. I, I, these are not the shoes you're looking for. For the punchline and the rest of it, just saying like, we're just kidding, you know. But it didn't come. So. That could be essentially be a letter that was written by a lawyer that was then taken by a copywriter and spiced up. Maybe they're yeah. just covering themselves. I, but to play devil's advocate, it seems like they're just saying, listen, you've got a lot going on. There's a lot of content out there, a lot of stuff for you to watch. You know, you're probably missing some of our emails. Just to be safe, here's one every day. Here's one every day. Pay attention. You'll probably yeah. miss one. But as long as you get like five a week, right? you'll be covered. <laughs> well, I, I'm assuming it'll be seven a week. I don't, I don't know if they're going to take the weekends off. I mean, this is completely counter to, I think, everything that we're seeing in the trend of personalization and creating emails that are relevant to you. You know, I'm, we all know Amazon does a great job of that. I look for some shit. It, they send me an email that has, you know similar items or you know they know what time when they know when my dog's bed needs to be replaced and they send an email to me precisely at the yeah. time i don't know how they do it but um maybe your dog just orders a new bed that's possible <laughs> <laughs> i have a lot of computers at home and he's home all day he's probably bored um 
but yeah, I just, the, I, I can't fat for a company that's, you know, kind of revered as doing things right. Um, this just blew my mind. And, and I, I can't imagine that I would ever think this would be a great strategy for any of our clients or anybody, you know, just to say we're intentionally going to be re sending you something absolutely every day. I mean, really, I, it makes me want to unsubscribe immediately. I don't know that I will, but I'm going to see how it plays out, I think. It makes me think of a, a report from Trendera that I saw in Adweek this week about how uh, consumers prefer to be treated as friends rather than customers. You know, mm. Fish are friends, not food. That's what I think of. <laughs> uh, same thing with customers. And this is exactly the opposite of that because if you had a friend that emailed you every day giving you updates about what's going on in their life, you probably wouldn't pay much attention to that oh, friend. No, I well, I mean – yeah, it's just who has that much to say that's relevant. Well, it's an odd choice for a shoe company because how many shoes do you really need to buy? Right. But, I mean, obviously it's a holiday strategy that they'll probably turn off in January. I think the disturbing thing is the other marketers are going to see this and they're going to be like, oh, man, did you see what Zappos is doing? We need to do that. And Two emails a day. <laughs> so they're gonna be, it's just like this arms race One of email emails. per foot <laughs> per day. But I think at this point, like to your point about you know people don't want that, I think people are so inundated that most people have just given it. They've lost. You yeah. know, the war for your inbox has been lost. I, I completely agree with that. I, I, I think I remember the day that I gave up. Sometime in 2011, where I treat email more as a, a sea of things that I will respond to as many as I can. But, you know, the idea of having zero emails in my inbox, I have totally given up on that. Yeah. I flag emails. I find all new ways to kind of keep relevant and try to make sure that I re reply to the ones I need to. But the idea of replying to everything, I just, that's no longer the way I think about it. Well, the other day I got an email, a group email from a friend who's having a dinner party and I was so taken aback. I don't think I've received an email from a friend <laughs> in years. I'm so it's used like, to this. These are the emails I get from Zappos and yeah. all the other things I sign up for. But it was so weird to be like, oh, no, I actually want to read this. This is important to me right, uh, right now. Well, usually so, you'll get your friend email on Facebook or a message on a, you know, something like yeah. that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, it, 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 or, you know, that's, I think it depends on when you first started using emails and about who you still email. You know, I still email my mom. There are certain friends that I just email with. But, yeah, I think, you know, coming of age today and messaging and, you know, I think it's going to even skip Facebook and just be right to texts or Snapchat for a certain generation. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that idea of. Most of my communication is no, done with Snapchat. I'm thinking of a snap. I, if the dinner party email had been a Snapchat, it's just like a picture of food with the date, and that's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> and then, pretty, yeah, that's, that's, that's very efficient. That's your invitation to a dinner party. Nice. Well, I, I'll I'll come back and report to the podcast whether or not uh, I stay subscribed to Zappos newsletter. If we have any listeners that work at Zappos and you want to drop us a line and say what this strategy is all about, we'd be happy to. Uh, to convey that via the, the podcast airwaves. Uh, or if you want to give us any feedback, don't forget you can email uh, podcast at situation.myc, and we love to hear from you guys. Kevin, what topic have you brought to the roundtable today? I want to talk about chords, Peter. I love chords. Right? Chords. Yeah, Who doesn't love chords? They're so, like, the pants, right? That's what we're the, talking yeah, about. Yeah, chord words. It's like nice. chord season. Did I love the words. way that they make oh. that whooshing sound oh, yeah, walk yeah, yeah. through the leaves. It's yeah. a great way to test mics. You just walk by <laughs> with your chords. <laughs> That's how we do um, it. Chord cutting. So I've seen a lot uh, – I've seen a few articles 
in uh, Times, Adweek, a bunch of places about the changing in the habits, especially millennials, of not subscribing to you know, broadcast cable and things like that. And it obviously seems to be skewing more towards people cutting the cord, as they say, and just using online services for their video. However, uh, a recent study from Millward Brown showed that 49% of people hate the video ads that they get on their mobile devices. They hate mm -hmm. them. We've talked about this a little bit before. Right. So my question or what I would want to talk about is where, where do these things converge? Where do we get to a point where obviously people are going more toward online services for advertisements, but they really don't like the way we're doing it right now. Right. So what are some better ways that we can do that? Well, and it's really deceptive too, because you say cord cutting, but most people are still paying for the cable to come into their house for the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you get the coax from Time Warner or Cablevision or whoever it is or Fios. And, you know, they're so bundle crazy. So it's like they want to be your phone, they want to be your TV, and they want to be your internet. And now, you know, you still need that high, that broadband to be able to kind of do your Netflix or whatever. But it's just really about the, you know, that terrestrial cable that's been around since the 70s of, you know, the ESPNs and the Nickelodeons and the MTVs and having those discrete channels where we all, you know, forever say nothing's on. You know, um, but uh, so w are you considering becoming a cord cutter? I am. My cable service provider, if you're listening, pay attention, has been very terrible lately. And you know who you are. Um, and it's, it's Time W, right? Well, that's, that's too obvious. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Simpsons <laughs> reference that Peter, of course, got. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, we've been thinking about cutting the cord in, in my apartment, and the only thing that's stopped me right now is sports, because that they really haven't caught right. up to watching real-time yeah. sports in terms of those services. But it's really, uh, it, it's, it's very uh, inviting to do that, so I don't know. You know, the thing that makes me want to contemplate it every month is, other than my rent, I think it's the highest utility bill I pay, um, because, you know, it's over $200 mm -hmm. for television and internet. And I, I have chosen to get the faster internet because, you know, technology, whatever. But, um, yeah, I think about it every month. And, uh, the only thing that kind of keeps me, I've been, I would, I, I was an early adopter for TiVo like way long ago and I still have a TiVo. I don't use the cable company's DVR and I trust that my TiVo is going to kind of curate for me, but that's kind of the only thing keeping me you continuing to have cable, you know, it's really so much more. And I, we did talk about this before about how, I thought Hulu just recently did their ad-free version. So Hulu, you used to pay $8 a month, but then still have to see the same horrible ads over and over and over again. And I thought that was a ridiculous model. Now they've removed those ads, but you have to pay more. I think you're paying $12 a month or something like that. But it'll be interesting as people kind of tweak that model to see if the, the non-cable-based subscription stuff is, is just, you know, satisfies that need. And, and you mentioned sports. You know, I think there are initiatives to do kind of uh, a la carte sports offerings as well. Have you have you found that? Some people have recommended things to me. Apparently, the Sports Center app does do it, but those are often blacked out in areas where you yeah. are getting the game, right. so that wouldn't help. Um, so I haven't. No one's been able to point me in the direction of a, a la carte service that's doing it well and efficiently. You know, it reminds me kind of like back in the '80s when you would. You know, you'd go by the sports bar and they'd have the giant satellite dish on the roof, right? And that satellite was the way that you got the, the games. And then you could play it. So it's, it's an interesting evolution of that technology. Tom, do you have cable in your house? 
I do. I don't know. Well, I watch the Knicks. That's about the only thing I watch on cable. My I'm wife, so sorry. They, well, they're going to be good this year, actually. <laughs> I have faith. The uh, My wife watches it a bit. Um, but yeah, most of my stuff is done on Hulu, Netflix, etc. And I, I think the videos, the commercials are annoying too. But it's funny, like at some point, like, you know, as a consumer, you want choice, which those online services give you where you can watch anything you want at any time. But then you hate it when they make you watch a 30 second commercial. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting time when we talk about ad blockers and everything for what is advertising. It's, it's essentially a form of payment from the consumer to the content creator or channel. Um, and, you know, we get back to this corner where it's like, oh, what do we do to make that commercial better? Right. Well, you know, maybe that commercial is just a commercial and that's your price of entry. And yeah, we can make it better by making it more interesting. But I don't know. There, there, it feels like we need to be a, a little bit stronger in defending Advertising, you know, right. especially since we're in this industry, um, you know, which I totally get. Like, I don't want to sit there and watch a 60 second commercial, but at the same time, I don't want to pay, you know, $15 to Hulu every month just because I'm right. going to watch three videos. And, and um, you know, when we talked about this in the podcast before, we, we think that um, a technology that's doing it really well is actually podcasting. And so if anyone wants to sponsor this podcast, Send an email, podcast at situation.myc. But what you see in a lot it's of podcasts. It's expensive, though, right? The, the sponsorship. It's oh, hugely expensive. It's yeah. like I, I looked at it next to like some of the, the, the you know, what television charges for, mm-hmm. for their mm-hmm. primetime rates. It's very, you know, it's on par. It's, well, I, I was I very think shocked by that. I, there are upfronts for podcasts that are starting to happen. And I think what the, I think the reason they're more effective is because a lot of times the, the, the actual hosts of the podcast are the ones delivering. The message, the, That's the true, marketing yeah. message, and it's in. You really can't skip it because um, you don't know how long the, the ad's going to be, yeah. and they, they do it in situ. So I think it's actually really effective. And I would say that I, you know, the podcast I listen to, they sponsored by Harry's Razors. I buy Harry's Razors now. I do Blue Apron. Like I think the industries so, that have, are you saying that if Harry's Razors sponsored this program, you could guarantee that a thousand people would sign up per month? That's what it sounds like. Because I mean, that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. And if you can guarantee that, I think we've got some potential sponsors coming up. Well, we'll have to think about it. We'll have to, uh, you know. I'm willing to guarantee it for you, if that helps. (laughs) No, all right. Can (laughs) I just, you've got the Tom Lorenzo guarantee. Can I just go out on a limb and say I'd be happy with lunch if anyone wants to provide lunch for us? lunch. uh, That would be cool. That's like right there when we had like a spread and it was Inside Situation sponsored by food. That'd be cool. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, you know, one of the things about cord cutting. I think there's a whole generation we talked about. Uh, there's going to be a whole generation of people who never owned a desktop or laptop computer and only ever connected to the internet via phone. I think similarly, there's going to be you know people rising up, Generation Z or whatever, who never had cable, who only ever had you know on demand, a la carte. Let me pick what I want to watch, and I think it'll be interesting to see what really happens then when you try to convince. You know, it, I think that just means that the model is doomed, right? I don't know. Definitely. I mean, it seems like you're going that way. It seems like we're going that way, not just in, uh, you know, a la carte services, not just in, uh, you know, for TV watching and things like that, but also even like on phones with apps and things as well. Like everything is so tailored that it just seems, it it seems ridiculous to think like, oh, here's just a bunch of stuff to sift through as opposed yeah. to no, this is right. what I want to see and then going to get it. I think the one thing that it'll be a shame to lose from the current model is that surprise and delight moment of you're, you're flipping through channels and you can you see that the Godfather's on 
and you're like, oh, I love The Godfather. I'm going to sit down and just watch this for a while. And like, that'll be gone because it'll just all be on demand. You'll have to actively want to go out and find that. And I think it's going to be harder to be surprised. Although, I guess recommendations and things like that, you know, the, the algorithm will make up for that, I guess. But I think they're like... The shared experience of television, even when you're not even watching sports, but even when you're watching The Godfather on TBS for the right. thousandth time, I think there's a lot of people out there that are probably putting it on, and there's there's a feeling that you're watching it with other people, even though right. they're not there, and I think that's important. And I was always shocked that like Netflix or whoever didn't create even like a version of their channels that feels like this is what's happening now. You can go get whatever you want, right. but The Godfather is on now to sort of tap into that shared experience. I think yeah. that's what's really missing. It's a very kind of lo lonely world in video on demand that, you know, you don't get the, hey, you know, 100,000 other people are watching this with me. We're all sort of lonely together here. It's, it's very depressing, but uh, yeah, we're, we're together on that. I think Hulu is trying to do that by not really, you know, Netflix's model was put all the episodes out for a season at once. And I think Hulu, especially with, um, oh, what was the, the series that just came out where they did it week by week? Um, the Billy Eichner series. I won't be able to remember. Difficult oh, yeah. people. Difficult people. Yeah. You know, they, they basically said, we're going to put it out all through Hulu, but you get one a week. And I think they're trying to encourage people to talk about that one episode. So yeah. you know, that'll be what people are tweeting about until they release the next one. So, And that has to do also not just with advertising and the value of the sort of shorter windows of people watching and for viewership and how much they can charge. So yeah. there's so much going on in that world in terms of how you know, content creators, television channels, Hulu are charging advertisers for, uh, you know, for sponsoring these things. It's, yeah. it's, it's just wild. It's people's view, viewing habits change. Well, we'll, we'll be sure to, to bring this topic back to the podcast, uh, as it evolves and as we do more stuff in television as well. Um, so, so for our third topic, Tom, I kind of dragooned you into joining the podcast today, uh, because at our, our event last week at the Rubin museum, the mobile truth, uh, your topic was about the infinite canvas as it relates to creative design. Uh, and, and I was wondering, I thought it was great, first of all. And it really, you know, you had some great examples in what you talked about, about, you know, how key art is changing and screen sizes. So, so can you tell us first, what, what do you mean by the infinite canvas and, and why is it something that our creative team needs to be concerned with? Sure. I think, I mean, the whole conversation was sort of framed around the idea of uh, mobile is disrupting our expectations for essentially what the canvas is. What is that space that we're telling our story on, whatever that is, so for, our, for our brand, for our clients, whatever. And really looking at it visually first, but it's beyond visual when you think about mobile, and that's kind of the point. So visually, though, when you approach it that way, this idea of this traditional canvas where, you know, if I'm a designer, I have this big space to design on. I'm designing a major piece of key art that really brings in all these visual elements of the brand and helps sell it in a really powerful way. Um, and then on the client side, kind of looking at how their brand is presented visually and kind of expecting that it's going to be this big visual experience. So we're using key art as an example, which is very um, prominent in things like film, things like theater. Um, I, I use the, the example of the Back to the Future poster, which is a great right. movie poster. The movie poster, which for years was the same size for everyone. Exactly. It was a giant canvas yes. that had to fit in that box on the front of the theater. Yeah, exactly. And then over time now, the ex and the expectation is kind of built in that I'm a client or I'm a designer. I want to see this awesome large piece of art, right, that really brings everything to life. But the reality is of mobile and, and all, you know, 
and, and all the sort of and all the different components of that, all the different channels of that, mean that that canvas is much smaller than we expect. So, right. you know, in the Back to the Future example, you might just have a title treatment versus you know Marty and the and the flames and the DeLorean and all that fun stuff we want right. to see, and uh, and that's a major change in expectation for how your brand is going to be brought to life. And that's kind of the, the disruption to the expectation. But then when you think about that, like, like a lot of things, you know, we look at that as, yeah, it's, it's a restriction now if you look at it a certain way, but it's also, you know, it's an opportunity to be more creative. It's an opportunity to think about things a little differently. And we need to think about things um, with this kind of infinite mindset. So, which we call the infinite canvas, which means that traditional canvas of just a big space to design in is sort of dead. And now beyond just design, because it, it, it applies to design, but it applies to storytelling in general. There are a, a million different channels on mobile, especially if we define mobile by not just a device, but by your behavior, your location or your movement or whatever that thing is. And as we do that more and more and factor in things like wearables and stuff like that, this canvas that we're telling the story on visually or otherwise is much, much bigger. So we have to, when we're creating things like, you know, a core piece of art or whatever that, you know, whatever that sort of major expression of the brand is, think about how we're filling this infinite canvas, not this sort of two-dimensional square piece that, you know, is, is the right. traditional way of looking at it. Um, and, you know, I think the big point is if we don't fill that canvas, then that canvas is blank for a lot of, like, especially these Gen Zers or whatever they're called now uh, coming up who will kind of have this anticipation, this expectation that there there is this sort of infinite canvas to uh, to play on. Um, and, you know, the, the example actually that Jeremy Krause, our, our head of accounts, gave in, in the, same, uh, the same event um, I think was a great example of this. So he gave the example of um, the Met Museum, right? We sent a few, we sent a class of, of, of kids to the Met Museum sort of on a private tour. And there's a moment, we have a video of this. There's a moment where somebody from the Met, they're standing in front of a, a painting. I forget which painting it is. It's like a Van, one of, a Van Gogh. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, but uh, they're standing in front of this painting and the guy from the Met holds up a phone and in front of the painting, and then it sort of shows the painting, but then it shows an element of the painting changing. So in this case, it was like a mother holding a, a child, and the, the, the toddler kind of ran to another person or his grandmother or something like that. And at that moment, those kids were just amazed. And you could see the smile on their faces. There was like hoots and hollers. And I think the point is that they were walking around this museum, and maybe they might have been bored. I mean, that's the reality, because they were mm -hmm. expecting this. They expect this infinite canvas, this broad right. canvas. And the moment that that happened, the Met filled that infinite canvas for them, and they became excited because what was yeah. once blank is now filled with something. So, I mean, so that's an example of just – it's kind of a long-term mindset that we have to sort of apply to everything that we do. And things are far more complicated now, but I think it's important to, um, yeah, to just think about how, you know, how this story is spreading and integrating into everything. Well, I, I think that you know, you, your story about the, the museum and that video just reminded me – I think the canvas is also not just necessarily visual. Uh, I mean, I think one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is expand how we talk about things into a, an oral medium. And I remember being a kid going to the zoo and uh, the, grew up in Philadelphia. We'd go to the zoo and if you, you could pay like two or three dollars to get this little plastic elephant key and you could take it from uh, animal to animal and just turn it in and you hear a little story. And like, the animal would actually tell you the story? 
uh, the the animal that would be impressive. No, it was just like a pre-recording, but it was in, an enhanced bit of entertainment. It was they expanded the the canvas of you go to the zoo, you see the animals, that's majestic. But then you know, give them that incentive to have that little bit of an extra experience. Uh, and I, I think that that you know, I can tell you, my sister and I fought over that key. Who would get to like t- you know go to those different exhibits? Yeah. So right. so I think the canvas uh, can be a lot of different things. It can be a lot of different. Uh, elements that are that are part of telling that story. Um, you, you know, one of the things that I think comes from you know talking to our clients about the infinite canvas is the idea of trust as well. Because if you have that piece of key art and you say this is what your website is going to look like, um, well, we're different. We're dealing with phones and 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 watches and different spaces, and there has to be an element of trust that the idea of the brand will be conveyed, but they're not going to see every iteration. They, they, it just sure. may not be possible to, to kind of say, okay, I'm going to clasp eyes on what every single person is going to see when they experience my brand. Totally. Yeah, no, that's completely, that's completely true. I think it's more important than ever because a lot of people bring up this sort of, you know, infinite or very fragmented landscape and say, oh, this is, this means the message is fragmented. And I, I wouldn't say that. I think that it's more important than ever to have a clear idea behind what you're what you're selling or what the story is and then tailor that idea for different folks along the line, different targets. But it's not that you have a thousand different messages. It's right. that you have a thousand different slants on the same message. And I think that's really important. I think people lose sight of that. The other thing I think is interesting around this is just the, the there's a, you know, there's a reaction of, of this is sacrilege. So like, let's say I, I took the, the painting example. Somebody took Van Gogh's painting and mm-hmm. layered in an additional element into it. Like, who the hell do you think you are doing that? And the same is true of like theater. There was actually, um, you know, actually jumping from theater, but like uh, Louis, great, one of the greatest shows on TV. There's an interesting part in there that I think speaks to this. If you guys, there's an episode where Louis takes one of his daughters to a play. And then the whole time she's in the play, she's on her phone. And he's like sitting there like, what is wrong with you? I mean, they leave the show. It walks out and he just starts berating her. Like, what if you can't sit still for an hour and, and watch this amazing show? And then what she does is start saying, talking about the show. She's right. like, no, I was researching the show. Did you know this? Did you know that? She had been watching the show and using this device as a way to kind of and deepen her experience into it and gain back knowledge. And so right. is that wrong? No, he kind of walked away like, wait a minute. No, it's not wrong. It's just different. You know, yeah. It's just very, very different. So I think there's, there's, a, there's an initial reaction to say, oh, that's sacrilege to change how it used to be. But the reality is it's, it's, everything is always evolving and people might not be distracted just because they're on their phones. doesn't mean they're not paying attention. They might actually be paying more attention or paying attention at sort of a deeper level, uh, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And, and that example reminded me of uh, what Jeremy talked about at the event last week. You know, if if all people ever hear is a scolding about how their behavior on phones is wrong at certain art forms, you know, if that's the only message that we're sending, they're going to turn away from the art form, whatever that is. Yeah. And they're going to go to something else that, that you know, has a more thoughtful integration of how that technology might be, be useful. Um, but so, yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll have to drag Jeremy in. Uh, maybe in a future podcast to talk a little bit more about that. But um, yeah, that, thank you so much for, for sharing. That's, I think, a really interesting topic. I think it's going to continue to evolve. And um, obviously, we'll be talking more about it, I know, in, in weeks and months to come. So thanks, Tom. Cool. My pleasure. Uh, so before we leave uh, this week, we want to share with you guys something that we don't think you should miss. Um, Kevin, let's start with you. What is something that you don't think our listeners should miss? Sure. Well, October 21st is uh, Back to the Future Day, 
As you know, oh, October twenty first, two thousand fifteen, is the day that Marty went back, uh, went into the future, and Toyota has brought uh, Doc Emmett Brown and uh, also known as Christopher Lloyd, Marty McFly, also known as Michael J. Fox, back together for some ads for their uh, new car that's coming out. <laughs> that's and there's fun. a five minute video coming out on October twenty first. That's exciting. Then I cannot wait for. And also, Christopher Lloyd did say recently that he's open to Back to the Future four. So wow. if you're looking for a new Marty McFly, I'd like to put my name out there. <laughs> you make a great McFly. I you play make guitar. A great Marty McFly. Thank Kevin. you. I play guitar. I, I love puppy you have a vest. vests. Yeah, vest. I, I have multiple ones. I'm all set. Do you drink tab? I exclusively drink tab. Excellent. I'm going to give you a tab if you don't order anything. <laughs> give me a Pepsi that. free. That's <laughs> uh, have you, Kevin, have you heard of uh, – I joined a Kickstarter. To, there's a documentary about the making of uh, – I think it's called Back in Time that's just about to be released as well. Uh, I don't know if that's been on your radar. I haven't seen that. I'll have that's, to send that to Please you. do. Yeah. That's, uh, it's about to be released. They went and interviewed a bunch of people who made it, Robert Zemeckis. Um, so, and I think I just passed Radio City the other day, and I think they're doing a concert of the music. Oh, uh, the awesome. Alan Silvestri orchestral music from the movies, which I think is, is should be pretty cool. Too. There was talk of a musical at some point as well. I heard that too. I think they which... did it somewhere. I'm not sure what happened to it. Hmm. We'll have to find that. <laughs> <laughs> Back by Huey Lewis and the News. There was a real DeLorean on stage. <laughs> Tom, what is the thing that you don't think our listeners should miss? Uh, well, you know, off the topic of marketing, um, I went just this past weekend to Farmington, Connecticut and rode on what's called a, a rail trail with my son, which is they take old railroads and they turn them into bike trails. And they're just like awesome bike trails through the woods. Um, this one is like 30 miles long. It, it, it's, it runs right alongside the Farmington River. And it's beautiful. It stops in these like little New Englandy towns. Um, and in the fall, when you go in October, the leaves are changing. It's like riding through a painting. It's ridiculous. Um, so I would recommend anyone who likes to bike. It's very easy. It's very flat. My six-year-old uh, rode 20 miles, which I think is pretty impressive for a six-year-old. I was impressed with myself for riding 20 miles. Should check it out. It's pretty awesome. And this is real life. It's not a virtual reality experience. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for the virtual reality experience because I'd rather not actually yes. physically exert myself. Of course. But, uh, it's the next best thing to the virtual reality experience. <laughs> that sounds truly cool. Uh, and this is the great time of year to do that. Um, I, I am actually going to go virtual with, with my thing not to miss. So, Kevin, last last week uh, or the last time on the podcast, you talked about the fact that you could watch the debates in the Gear VR headset. And we had one, and I just watched the Democratic debate uh, for about 10 minutes in the headset, and then I took it off. And and the reason I – and I think – I'm so glad they did it. It's, it's really the first live virtual event that I can say I've ever attended, and I think one of the first that they've ever done. Um, and it was interesting and I'm glad they did it, but they, it, it's gotta be a stepping stone because the experience of watching it on TV was much better. The cameras that they had were nowhere near the faces of the people that were speaking. So you just saw five people standing up there and they were like a blur and you weren't really getting the reactions that I think we thought we might get oh, from the fact that they put a camera in there. But what the thing that I don't think people should miss, uh, this is a little log rolling because this is a client of ours. But um, School of Rock just released a 360 video that is a, a video of a scene from the musical that's, to, that's going to be opening soon on Broadway. Uh, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber, his son showed him a 360 video on his phone. He thought, that's cool. I want to I play with that. I want to do something. It's, gonna, it's not going to be in the show. It's purely something that they did 
to kind of celebrate that medium and see what could be done. And it just dropped yesterday. And I think it's absolutely one of the best pieces of content. And I can say that because we were tangentially involved. This is not, you know, praising something that we did necessarily, but I think it's one of the best pieces of content, one of the best examples of content that you could have in that technology. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what storytellers do once they are inspired by that and they see, oh, this could be, this could be a new palette. This could be a new canvas that I work sure. with. This could be an expansion of that infinite canvas. Um, and so, uh, I, I hope we see more of that in the future um, in ways to celebrate storytelling. Um, so that's going to do it. Uh, we want to thank you guys all for listening to Inside Situation. Um, please send us your feedback, your questions, your comments to podcast at situation.myc. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, we'll see you guys again in two weeks. 